Romans chapter number 8, <clears throat> beginning with verse 35. Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Watch what Paul says in verse 38. For I am persuaded. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul said, for I am persuaded. He had a made up mind. I want to preach tonight on this subject, the battle between the ears. The battle between the ears. Lift up your hands right now, Lord Jesus. Give us hearts to hear what the Spirit is saying. I feel such a dynamic touch of the Holy Ghost tonight, Lord. I want the Spirit to take the words out of my mind and out of my mouth and deliver them, dip them in love and deliver them on angels' wings. But God, give them hearts to hear and faith to respond. In the name of Jesus, clap your hands unto the Lord one more time as you're being seated. Hallelujah, the battle between the ears. A century ago, a band of brave souls known as one-way missionaries, they claimed that name because they purchased a single ticket to the mission field without purchasing the return trip. Instead of suitcases, they packed their earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, everything they knew, because they knew they'd never return home. One man's name was A.W. Milne. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. He did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was packed. For 35 years, he lived among that tribe and he loved those people. When he died, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. How can a man change a group of people to the extent that this missionary did? I submit to you today that it started before he ever left America. He won the battle between the ears. He didn't pack a suitcase because he didn't plan on returning. He packed his coffin and his mind was made up. If they kill me when I land there, I died to myself a long time ago and I'm on this journey for Jesus Christ. My friend, his identity was not found in who he was. It was found in whose he was. I stepped to this pulpit tonight to preach to Wallace Ridge. If you're living this life for yourself, you'll be of all men most miserable. But if you're living this life for Jesus Christ, then to live is Christ.
Christ and to die is gain. I read of another missionary named Paul. Scripture records the host of troubles he endured for the gospel's sake. Yet Paul records these words. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He's talking about a bad day. He's talking about trouble all around. He's talking about a host of things that life may bring your way. But he goes on to say as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I stepped to this pulpit tonight to remind Wallace Ridge, it doesn't matter what we've been going through. It doesn't matter what we may face tomorrow. We are still more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how bad your day is, your week is, if God be for us, somebody ought to clap your hands because God is for you. I am persuaded. There's power in a made-up mind. There's power in somebody who just won't quit. Somebody who's just made up their mind. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter if I understand or I don't understand. I'm just going to keep on plodding. You know, there's two types of people. There's plotters, those that want to see planned out. They plot their course. And that's good. But there's also plotters. Those that just put one foot in front of the other and they just keep plodding. It doesn't matter what the next day brings. doesn't matter what next week holds. It doesn't matter if they see it or not. They just keep on plodding. You see what the enemy wants to do is he wants to blind your eyes. He wants you to, he wants you to be so surrounded by the immediate that you can't see anything else. Because if he can blind you, he can limit you. This is what the Bible says. We walk by faith and not by sight. If you're living for God, you're not going to know what tomorrow holds. You're not going to know what next week holds. You're going to make a whole bunch of plans only to have life rip up all of your plans. You know how the enemy tries to... This is how he can limit you. Is he, he wants to stop you from seeing any potential around you. Watch this. The black African impala can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long in one jump. Jump, 10 feet high and 30 feet long. That's pretty impressive. Well, you know what's even more impressive? A three-foot wall at a zoo can keep him in. He can jump 10 foot tall and 30 feet long, but all it takes is a three-foot wall and no net around him, and a zoo can contain him. You know why? Because a black African impala will not jump where he can't see landing. And so they keep his visibility limited. 
They stunt his ability. Even though he has all the potential, he has all the ability, that zoo puts up a barrier and wants him just to see the immediate. And you know what the enemy wants you to do? He wants to blind you with the bad. He wants to keep you from realizing that there's a God that holds your tomorrow, that there's a God that holds your next week. He wants to see, he wants to keep you limited by your misunderstanding, limited by your sickness. But you gotta understand that God is for you. Nothing, Paul said. Nothing shall separate us. By, he was persuaded. His mind was fixed. He couldn't be shaken. That nothing could separate. It doesn't matter what you go through. Everything that Paul went through, Paul said, I've been through a lot. But I realized that it doesn't matter where I find myself. God is right there with me. God is right there with me. I'm going to ask you tonight, are you packing a suitcase? Or are you packing a coffin? Meaning, are you in it for the long haul? Or are you in it just for when it's convenient? If you haven't settled the battle between the ears tonight, then you're always going to struggle as life knocks you down. You see, there's some people that haven't settled the battle between the ears. When things are great, they love God. They're on fire for God. But you let life get difficult just for a little bit. And they're going to find out that they got that suitcase because they plan on returning from where they come from. They got that. They didn't pack a coffin. You see, here's my fear. We're too Christian to enjoy sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. And I'm afraid that we've cheapened the gospel by allowing people to buy in without selling out. And we've made it too convenient and too but Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. What he's saying is, don't you pack a suitcase. You get a coffin. Like Jesus. There comes a point in Scripture where all the disciples, except a few, walked away. They had suitcases because they wanted to be with Jesus when times were tough or times were easy, and when he was feeding 5,000. But in John chapter 6, verse 68, you can hear the anguish in Jesus' voice when he looks to Peter and he says, are you going to leave as well? This is what Peter said. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the word to eternal life. You know the difference was some of them had suitcases, but Peter had a coffin. Peter understood I'm in this for the long haul, and there's nobody else that has the words to eternal life. My friend, I want you to know you gotta get in this for the long haul. You gotta get in this for the long haul. It's not gonna get any easier. And if you're carrying a suitcase, you're gonna go back. But if you got a coffin, Oh, I feel preaching this place. Listen to me tonight. If you're walking with the Lord, you won't be tempted by him, but you will be tested by him. To the average individual, it doesn't make sense for God to ask Abraham to offer his only, his promised child, Isaac. But then again, a lot, a lot of what God does doesn't make sense to humans. He wasn't tempting Abraham because the Bible says that God doesn't tempt man. 
But he was testing Abraham. God tests us for two primary reasons. It's an opportunity for God to prove himself to us. And it's an, excuse me, an opportunity for us to prove ourselves to God. James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. That word literally is translated trials, not temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be imperfect and entire, wanting nothing. There are some people who have been saved for 25 years, but they don't have 25 years of experience. They have one year of experience repeated 25 times. Do you hear me? Some people that's been saved 25 years, but they don't have 25 years worth of experience. They've got one year's worth of experience repeated 25 times because they're frustrated with their faith, but they keep having to take the same test because you won't get to pass until you, or you won't get to go to the next level until you pass the test. I tell you, if you're still struggling and facing the same thing that you've been facing 10 years ago, there's a good chance you hadn't passed yet. Good chance you're having to take it over. If you're still having a problem with loving people, there's going to be enemies in your life until you learn to love people. If you're having a problem forgiving people, they're going to be there until you start forgiving people. Just because you're in church doesn't mean you've got the experience of the spiritual maturity. You measure physical growth by height and stature and by age. You measure intellectual growth by IQ, but you measure spiritual growth by obedience. And until you start obeying, you can't step into another realm of revelation because it goes like this, revelation, obedience. Revelation, obedience. It's called walking with God. He reveals, you obey. He shows you what you need to fix, you fix it. But until you obey, you're going to be stuck. You're not going to move any further. Because God's wanting you to pass the test. God's wanting to show you this is the area that you need to fix. Here Abraham was. And when, when Abraham drew the knife up, God said, hold it. Hold it. I never intended for you to kill him. I just wanted to see if you obey. I have literally asked people to do things as a pastor that I knew full well they didn't want to do it. I just wanted to see Will they obey what I asked them to do? Because this is what Scripture says. To obey is better than to sacrifice. That's how you grow in God. Is obedience is indicative of the heart. God wants to see if you'll obey. And when, you, when Abraham raised the knife, God had already had a ram. As Abraham is walking up one side, God had a ram walking up the other side and he had a thicket just in place to catch the ram and hold him. Don't you think God could have loosed that ram out of that thicket? But sometimes God holds back the answer to what you're needing until he sees if you'll first obey. The answer is not the problem. The answer is there. It's the obedience that God is looking for. Hear me, my friend. God knows what you need, but he's just waiting to see if you're all in. He had to see Abraham raise the knife. It wasn't enough to put him on the altar. 
He had to see that he was all in. He had to see that he had a coffin and not a suitcase. See, God's power in the past should not blind us to the power in the future. We're quick to celebrate past victories. We're quick to give praise reports and testimonies of what God once did because it's easy to look back and talk about having faith. But let's look right now and let's look forward and talk about having faith. See, when what we're walking through doesn't make sense, it's hard to talk about having faith. When what we're praying for doesn't happen, it's hard to talk about having faith. But I want to show you something. Amos 5, 4 through 5, Brother Greg, if you'll put it on the screen. Amos 5, verse 4. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. Verse number 5. Watch this. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Watch this. Why would he tell them, don't go to Bethel, and don't go to Gilgal, and don't go to Beersheba? Bethel is the place where Jacob had his life-changing dream. He built an altar, and he made a vow. Gilgal is the place where the Israelites camped after God uh, parted the, the Jordan River. They stepped foot in the promised land. It took only one night to get Israel out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. Gilgal marks the spot where God rolled away the reproach. Beersheba is the place where Abraham made a treaty with Abimelech and called on the Lord. His son Isaac dug a well and built an altar there. All three places held spiritual significance. So why would God tell them not to seek him there? The answer is simple. You will not find God in the past. His name is not I was. His name is I am. And there's a lot of people that's looking at past things saying, God, you did it like this and you did it like this. But God's saying, I'm not going to move like that now. I'm a God of present. And you can't let what God did in the past blind you to what he's going to do today and in the future. Because there's times that you're going to go, God, last time it worked out like this. God, last time I prayed and you answered that next week. Last time I, I did this and you answered, but God's saying, don't go to Bethel. Don't go to Gilgal. And don't go to Beersheba. Because every time I move in your life, I'm going to move differently. Because that's how faith is built. If, if, if faith requires a blueprint that God has to do it like this, then it wouldn't be faith. Because God already did it like that and you would know how he's going to move. But faith is required because God's ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? Don't let what God did yesterday blind you to what he's going to do today. Because chances are it's going to be different. People have lost out with God because their present situation did not work out like their past victory. They couldn't understand. They prayed the same. They did everything the same. But the situation worked out differently. Don't let your past victory 
rob you of your present faith. Fully persuaded. Romans 4.20 says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. Can you remember, can you consider tonight that Abraham had no blueprint to go off of? He had no voice to go off of. He had no promise to go off of. All he knew was God gave me a promise. I don't know how it's going to come to pass, but I'm going to believe that it's going to happen. And the Bible says because he believed and he was fully persuaded in his mind, he had won the battle between the ears. That God said, I'm going to count it unto you for righteousness. This is before Calvary. This is before Christ even gave his righteousness. He said, I'm going to impute it unto you for righteousness. Because he won the battle between the ears. Stand with me tonight. I'm coming to a close. I'm preaching to people. I, I, may, be, I may be reaching for one person. They're going to come and I want them to sing the ending of that song that they just sang. I'm not turning back now. Because there's there's at least one person in this place tonight. I know who I'm preaching to in the Holy Ghost. That you're holding a suitcase. Not a coffin. This is what the Bible says. Hear me church. I'm as serious as I've ever been right now. This is what the Bible says. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Just as much as we're going to see people running through the doors as the end comes near and God's going to reach and God's going to say, you mark it down. There's going to be people walk away from God because their faith failed. Because they had a suitcase instead of a coffin. Because they had a plan B when plan A got too tough. I close with this. On February 19, 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernan Cortez set sail for Mexico with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, 553 soldiers. The indigenous population upon his arrival was approximately 5 million people. If you work out the mathematical equation, the odds were stacked against him by a ratio of 7,541 to 1. Two previous expeditions had failed to even establish a settlement in the New World, yet Cortez conquered much of the South American continent. The story goes that when they pulled up, and he gets out, and his men get out. He turns to his men, and he orders them to burn all of the ships. So they turned around, and they got rid of their suitcase. And as they watched all of their boats in flames, they knew they had only one way to go forward. And with no option to retreat, they conquered their enemy because they burned their ships. I felt in the Holy Ghost in prayer tonight, it's time for us to burn the plan B. 
It's time for us to burn a retreat option. It's time for us to make up in our mind as individuals, as a family, and as well as rich. It doesn't matter how many questions we may have. It doesn't matter how bad it may get. It doesn't matter how sick we may get. The only way we have is to go forward. No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In God's eyes, we don't pack suitcases. We only pack coffins. Because it's not, we're not worried about a return trip. Because our eyes are set for one destination. And that's heaven. I'm preaching to people tonight that you've let things sit in your life. You've let vices sit in your life. You've let options sit in your life. You've let things, you've, you've kept the ship there. Because that's your plan B. If you keep plan B in place, your faith is going to be shaken. And you're going to revert to that plan B. It's about an eyes closed. Everybody in this place, nobody looking around. I'm telling you, I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost to people that you're allowing things to stay in your life and you're entertaining them when nobody's around. And, 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 and you're saying, God, I, I'm with you, but I don't, want, I don't want it to get too tough. My friend, the Bible says if you can't keep up with the footmen, how are you going to run with the horses and with chariots? I'm telling you right now, these altars are open. The best thing we can do as a church is come down to this altar and throw our hands in the air and say, God, I don't have a retreat option. I'm burning my ships. I'm, I'm, I'm in this for the long haul. 